Hello, welcome back to the Women's Soccer Podcast. Today, we are going to be doing part two of the Liga MX Feminil League Review. Yes, we're actually doing the League Review this time. I'm sorry about last episode. I know there might have been some confusion among listeners. That episode, I intended it for to be a league review with some questions but you guys had so many great questions that i just you know felt ob- obliged to answer them all so i just kind of turned that into a q a episode i'm sorry for those that were looking forward to it being a Liga mx feminine episode or those that were being confused about it but that's why this episode is coming out today so yeah just remember Again, just a little review for people that are new around here. If you want to be answered in one of those Q&A episodes, drop a five-star review down below on Apple Podcasts with a question so that we can view it. Okay, so let's get into the episode. Remember, this is part two of the podcast. There was an episode already that came out, so you should listen to that one. And just to give credit, this is all this information is from ESPN. So this isn't my info some of it is but i just gotta most of it is my info but it's most of the information that i'm like facts that i'm stating are from the espn article again i referenced that last episode it's an article on liga mx let me know that you can find on espn.com so view that it was a great um episode and do you know just because obviously i'm much i have immense knowledge of women's soccer but we get mx i mean no there just isn't really much resources about it so i kind of had to use the article but you know it is espn's i use a lot of the facts but i'm also you know kind of transforming it into my own i guess thoughts so as the article said the level of play on pitch access to training facilities and stadiums more games being televised travel condemnations have all improved however there is much more that can be done especially with salaries and while the clubs are under the financial and organization umbrella of the men's Liga MX teams, Liga MX Femina professionals are paid far less than their male counterparts who can reportedly make up to millions of dollars a year. In 2021, Gen- Ginelli Far Club Americas, Ginelli Farias, I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong, told The Guardian that some Liga MX Femina players were only being paid $100 to $200 a month. Mexican outlet El Ecomunista reported last year that the monthly wages can range from 7,000 pesos, which equals $340, to 150,000 pesos, which equals $7,450. A source from ESPN confirmed that around 300 to 700 per month is the usual range for most in the league, but very few get over 5,000. So, that is astounding. That's a really low price. I mean, the minimum... Wage in the NWSL is $35,000. We know that, right? That's a fact. And players like Morgan, Rapino, Robin, they make upwards of two fifty. Other U.S. women's national teams, obviously, players make much, much more than, like, the Mexican League. The best players make over $5,000 a year. So that's saying, like, the maximum is, like, the NWSLs. 
But then the NWSL also has their allocation money system, which allows them to pay players like Christy Mewis, who gets paid $200,000 a year for Gotham FC. So there's a lot more higher paid players in the NWSL. So that just shows. And I feel like, is this signing of me official, as ESPN stated, a sign of things to come or a simple flash in the pan for the Liga MXWNL? And it shows necessary changes that can be made to fairly compensate those on the lower end of the financial spectrum in women's soccer. Yeah, that's what the ESPN was saying. I think that the Liga MXWNL isn't going to be nearly as successful as the MLS the NWSL. I just think that the US Women's National Team just has a lot more resources, if that makes sense, than the Mexican Women's National Team. I think I saw it firsthand. I went to a friendly between the US Women's National Team and Mexico, and although Mexico's quality was much improved, I still think that it's not near the US's yet. Like, it was a 4-0 win, and it was a convincing win for the US. Like, there wasn't really... It was a friendly before the Olympics. Mexico threw everyone in the back all game long, and the U.S. still found ways to break through. Like, I do believe that Mexico's national team has a lot of young, talented players. I think that they're giving too many experienced players the opportunity. I think a lot of those experienced players are probably better than the younger players, but the younger players are the ones that need that experience, because if they get the experience before the 2023 Women's World Cup, the Mexican team could be looking good. And we know that the U.S. is trying to host the Women's World Cup in 2027. It's most likely going to be 2031, but again, that could be a really good target for Mexico to be like, we want to be contenders here. And that's why, like, they need to kind of get a little move on, you know what I mean? Like, they're not doing much to catch up to the Women's League. And as Christine, as Birkenrode said, I, like, yeah, we already know a lot about, we talked about last episode, players that are dual citizens like Christina Birkenrode. She said this other quotation about that. The investment of every single team could be helped. There's a lot of girls who are that are living off below minimum wage, and that's not okay. And we know this from the NWSL, right? The No More Side Hustles campaign. So much has come out from, like, players especially, really, like, kind of bringing it to the attention that, like, okay, this is not okay. And I think that a lot of players in the NWSL have done this. Like, we've seen a lot of players that have made really bad wages kind of stay up and stand up and say, okay, this is completely not right. And I think that's what Christina Birkenrode is doing, which is great. And I think that we need more people to stand up and say, that's not okay. And as ESPN says, um, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna stop citing them, but just, I wanna make sure that you guys know a lot of these facts are on from ESPN because it's kind of sad women's football globally isn't really recognized in many places it's kind of hard to learn about it and you can't really watch it as much i mean i watch women's european football i watch every single nwsl game but the mexican women's league is kind of hard to find their games i don't try and watch as many highlights as i can it's just it's you know kind of hard 
finding right balance for rosters is also significant. When the league first started, a con- contentious debate emerged regarding Liga MX Femenil's only allowing Mexican-born players. For the Mexican-American striker, Renee Cooler, it was painful knowing that she wasn't able to take part in the league, even though she paid for Mexicans' na- Mexico's national team. I remember when it was announced and I was not happy that I couldn't play in it, said Cooler, who finished second in the Liga MX Femenil's goal-scoring race last season with Club Tejana, being able to represent my country but not play in it. When Birkenrode Cooler and other dual nationals were able to play in the league in 2019, they laid down the framework for a player like Fischl to become involved in the Liga MX Femenil. Roster rules will likely continue to change, but it will undoubtedly be challenging to find the right balance that can support those who want to participate in the competition's future. I think that if they allowed more international players to come to this league and bring those different perspectives of perspectives of their play to any team that they come on, I think that will help grow the league and grow each team as well, Fischl said. Financial and roster questions aside, the league must also seek to avoid the controversy it found itself earlier this year of Club America manager Craig Harrington. Before we continue, I already know a lot about Craig Harrington, right? He was the coach of the Utah Royals team, and the article mentions this. He was fired. He sexually abused staff and players. Like, they already knew this coming in. But he was issued a ban, free match ban, in January of 2021 after allegations, sorry, 2022, of improper language in a game against Monterey and the, inis- and the incident raised eyebrows due to Harrington, who's, like, now the coach of them still, is, like, you know, it's kind of disturbing to see, like, that they kind of let him join the team, even though he had just been fired from Utah Royals. As we saw this with Paul Riley, he got fired from the Portland Thorns, and the North Carolina Courage just signed him up again. He just started sexually abusing more players, which is completely unacceptable. We know that that's unacceptable, and women's soccer is a whole need to do better. And Aricia, who was the club captain for Club America in that match against Monterey, released a statement three days after the incident, saying, what happened a few days ago and is, is an inequivalent sign that we still have a long way to go to bring women's soccer to the place that it deserves. Disrespect has no place in our sport or any aspect of our daily lives. That is... 100% correct. Faricia is so right there. I'm so sorry if I'm pr- pronouncing her name wrong, which I probably am. And I, I'm just going to add a few more quotes. The Monterey manager, Ava Espigol, was also critical of his action, Craig Arrington's actions. He called them, she called them unacceptable. So I think that it just shows, like, there's people trying to change this. We just need more of those people. And we need more rules to stop letting these ignorant people to have an easy path. And like five coaches in the NWSL were all men. They all like got fired in the NWSL. And it like got a bunch of investigations. And I think that there's like a lot of lessons that the Liga MX Femenil can learn, like with count- accountability, hiring practices, and player safety. And might have gone under the radar, but there was a watershed moment for the Mexican women's national team last November after coming off consecutive friendly wins like over Colombia and Argentina. 
L3 Femi Nil continued their process with a stunning 2-1 win and 0-0 draw with Canada, a team that had just won gold at the Summer Olympics. Gonzalez, along with several Liga MX Femi Nil players, comprised the core of the roster in those games against Canada. I think it goes hand in hand. The most important thing is the fact that us players have the continued continuity and opportunity to keep improving daily, Gonzalez said about the impact of Liga MX Flamingo on the national team. And we know this, like, the national team is great, but it, like, is only a, once a few months, right? Players can't just be playing on their national team and expect to, like, have it really easy. you got to be playing on a club team as well. And that, that's the problem is for a lot of the generations of women's soccer players, there's no options after... And most countries didn't even have college for women's soccer. America was lucky due to Title X, and I think that was the main reason why the American women's national team got good. But I think the Mexican women's national team really links to Liga MX Femenil because they didn't make the 2019 World Cup, and they are eyeing the 2023 edition of the Women's World Cup in Australia. And I think that... The ESPN said this. Players have said this. Liga MX Femenil has boosted this league, and that would be the reason why they qualify. And, like, because before the league's founding, it wasn't out of the ordinary to see, like, national team players train on their own, but the strides of this league have, like, helped thanks to the regularity of a homegrown league. And under manager Monica... Vergara, Mexico is on the right track to reaching both the 2023 Women's World Cup and 2024 Olympics. Should the team book a spot at those tournaments, it will do so via this summer's CONCACAF Women's Championship, which will be hosted in the city of Monterey. We are doing a preview episode on this on July 10th, so tune into that one. But yeah, I think this has been a lot of info, right? It's kind of piling on i mean we still got a good amount left it's like this there's a lot of stuff in mexico it's just not really getting shown i guess i think that women's football just needs to be given a bigger platform and that's what we're trying to do on this podcast and this episode i'm sorry for those it's kind of loading a lot of information i know that but i think that it's important that people hear this and even if they're not big women's soccer fans or just soccer fans in general people need to hear the struggles of female athletes because shouldn't be hidden in the dark female athletes shouldn't have to pretend like their lives are great if they're not and coaches are like abusing them and they're not getting paid right and there's no working conditions that is a problem and that is a problem that needs to be changed and i think there's not enough help for females athletes like so many of them are working side hustles it's absurd but back to the notes this ability to take Mexican women's soccer to another level is made possible by veterans like Cooler, who are now the leaders of a new generation of talent within Liga MX Femino. It's my country. It's with the country that I respect on the international... Repre- sorry. It's with my country that I represent on the international level. Cooler said about the league. When I play, I feel that passion. I feel that other side of my culture through the blood that runs through my veins. Since scoring the first goal in... NWSL history in 2013. The 31-year-old's pace has yet to slow down after moving to Europe and then to Club Tiwahin. Following her arrival to Liga MX Femenil in 2019, Cooler has already amassed a total of 55 goals. 
Now that Liga MX Feminine exists, she's not only able to take part in a deep-rooted connection that I have to my culture, as she quoted, but also highlight the value of being able to be involved in a league that wasn't around when Cooler first became a professional. Thankfully, it's better for the next generation and the next generation, and that's why we've been playing all these years, Cooler said. It's for the future generations. While attendance numbers dipped across Liga MX Feminil in general due to the ongoing coronavirus, the fandom remains the same in its continental growth. When I came got here, my social media following went up 20,000 people in a matter of months, Birkin Road said. For women's soccer players, you have to think of yourself as a brand off the field, too. It's not like we're making millions on the field. How can we market ourselves as sponsors of social media with our following? This league, honestly, really, really helps with that. That's great to hear. Like, women's soccer isn't a biggest thing worldwide and that's why it needs to be grown. Fischl has already seen the social media impact with Tigres. After joining the club, the young American has also seen tens of thousands of new followers online. It kind of it does kind of feel like I'm a celebrity because everywhere I go, fans are coming up to me, said Fischl, who is often seen taking photos or signing autographs of Tigres fans. It just wants me to work harder and inspire more people. So I'm interested to hear down below. What do you think of Liga MX Feminil? Do you think that has any competition to the NWSL? Do you think that players like me official should be going to Liga MX Feminil? My personal opinion is no. That should never be happening. She is a player that is one of America's biggest prospects. And if she's leaving to go to the Mexican Women's League, that's kind of embarrassing for the NWSL. They have a much more established league. And give credit to the Liga MX Feminil, but the NWSL is an established league that shouldn't be losing their players to a league that's kind of newer. And I think that Mia Official had a right to go. I think that's why I do get the NWSL wants a draft and not keep parity. But I also believe if there's a salary cap, parity will just kind of be natural. You know what I mean? As long as you have a salary cap, the league will maintain its parity. So I don't really see the point of a draft. It's just ruining your league's chances. Look at Katarina Macario. Now me official. Now Jade Rivera, who's now moving to the USL team. Like, this is ridiculous, NWSL. Wake up, honestly. And I know this may sound like a very annoyed fan because i am i'm a huge nwsl fan and it pisses me off that they can't do the little things right and i think a lot of other nwsl fans have agree with that like the streamings for their games yes they have access to them which is great that's great but i think that you still kind of need to get a better system and i'm really interested here down below what are your thoughts in league mx filming you and NWSL. If you've watched both leagues, comment down below which quality of play do you think is better and which league is a better chance of succeeding. My personal opinion, the NWSL. It might be favoritism because I am American, but I just believe it has a lot more marquee players, and unless Fischl becomes, like, the next superstar of the league, I don't really see her driving the league forward in Mexico. I think that she should be back in America, and I think that it's great that she got the opportunity to play at Tigres. But I think that it's kind of absurd that that was even, like, a thing. That she even had the, like, that she, I think it wasn't 
her fault. I think it was kind of like a tough situation to put a young athlete in, as we mentioned in the first episode, and I totally agree with that. But I think that the league as a whole, my frustration isn't towards official, it's for, towards the league. We shouldn't be losing the official. She's our, one of the U.S. Women's National Team's biggest gems, and she should be developing alongside all of the U.S. Women's National Team's players. And most of them are in the NWSL. So that's why I believe... And I could rant on this forever. The NWSL should do a better job preserving players. And I think that they will be better than Liga MX Femino. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Women's Soccer Podcast. I hope that you enjoyed. Thank you so much for listening again. No, I'm repeating myself. It's probably annoying to the listeners. But thank you, thank you, thank you. Your support really helps everything. And peace out from your host, L.D. Gee.